Welcome to FYI, the four-year innovation podcast. This show offers an intellectual discussion on technologically enabled disruption, because investing in innovation starts with understanding it. To learn more, visit arc-invest.com. ARK Invest is a registered investment advisor focused on investing in disruptive innovation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by ARK. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by ARK or podcast guests and are not endorsements or recommendations by ARK to buy, sell, or hold any security. Clients of ARK Investment Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FYI. I'm Nicholas Gruss, Associate Portfolio Manager at ARC, and today I'm joined by two very special guests. Joining us are Angie Dalton, an advisor and theme developer for ARC, as well as the CEO and founder of Signum Growth Capital. Additionally, we have Jan Raz Friedman, founder and CEO of SuperSocial, the leading development, publishing, and technology company focused on next-generation gaming platforms. Jan, why don't we kick it over to you, and if you could give us a bit more about your background, that would be great. Thanks for inviting me. So I'm I'm an entrepreneur, first and foremost. Um, I'm a company builder and a repeat founder. Some of the companies I started before Super Social have been Kano, a computer company, uh, Sosu, a robotics company, Kodo, an interactive VR company. And all of those kind of really set me on a journey over the past 10 years of seeing the evolution of you know gaming and virtual world, especially with younger demographics and and how it really becomes next generation social experiences on the internet. And, and so ultimately that propelled me to start Super Social in June 2020 at the beginning of COVID. What a better thing to do at the beginning of COVID than start a new company fully remote. Uh, and so, you know, as you kind of correctly described Super Social as the leading development, production, and technology company that really focuses on the next generation of the internet, a big part of that is game. But really, it's about virtual world that are becoming the next frontier of where people of all ages will be spending their time, we believe, in the coming decades. And that's what we started the company for, to really build a power that helps bring billions of people into this new frontier in the next 10 to 20 years. So I have a follow-up question on Super Social itself, because when we first met, there was kind of this mix-up. I kept describing it as a, you know, a gaming studio, and you, you know, politely corrected me. And said, no, we're much more than that. So can you just describe how Super Social is different from a traditional gaming studio that you know many of these listeners are, are familiar with? It's kind of connects directly to what I've described a couple of minutes ago, which is if you look at what happened over the past 10, 15 years, gaming has been continued to be a key content ecosystem that people started to build more games in multiple different places and devices, right? There's still like web games, PC games, mobile games. Um, of course, console games, all of those categories continue to evolve alongside the devices that have evolved, next generation consoles, et cetera, et cetera. And we believe that mobile gaming per se, PC gaming, console gaming will continue to grow as a category of quote unquote video games. But what we've seen over the past 10 years, which again is why it played such a key role for us in starting Super Social was that virtual worlds in 3D is really gradually becoming the next evolution of the consumer internet. If you think about websites initially, and then we had mobile game, mobile applications powered by you know powerful clouds. We that what happened between 2010 and 20, the emergence of Minecraft, the emergence of Roblox, the evolution of Fortnite into Fortnite Creative. We believe that all of those things were a precursor to what is going to happen in between 2020 and 2030 and beyond, which is really the evolution of virtual worlds in 3D in becoming social spaces, places that connects gaming and socialization and human expression through 3D avatars and commerce. You know, we believe that we live in a world where people will care and already some do about their virtual identity as much as they do about their physical identity. And so if we think about all of those things coming together, Super Social was born to address that virtual worlds are going to be so much more than a platform for kids to play or a place for gamers to connect and play. It's going to become a place where we do so many other things like socializing, expressing ourselves, playing games together. 
So while gaming will continue, in our mind, be an important key piece of, quote unquote, this new frontier, we believe that there are going to be so many more categories that are beyond gaming, that are still powered by the sense of presence in these places, the immersion, the connection, expert self as, a, as, a, as an avatar. And so Super Social is really focused on building the most iconic, most edge virtual worlds that power that socialization of, of, of a new age, that human expression, that immersion and sense of presence. And we believe that the, the, these new generation of video games, so to speak, are going to be so much more than games. And so what we're excited about is really redefining what a video game is and evolving it from what it is today, which will continue on its track, but showing that gamified virtual worlds are going to be places where people will spend a considerable amount of time. And I think that's what we set out to do, building that future, which at the moment is kind of a bit wacky to, to see clearly. So you're really capitalizing on kind of the newest trends within gaming, which is taking gaming from just, as you mentioned, kind of just gameplay and moving it more into this space of the metaverse, virtual world, socialization, which I think is really fascinating. So I'm curious, what platforms are you working with today? And, you know, what is your outlook for kind of this space going forward? Like, where is all of this headed? You're in the weeds, you're, you're, you're building on a number of different platforms or going to be, hint, hint. Um, and so I'm just, you know, really curious about kind of your take and how you see this all evolving. Gaming at the moment or playing games online is still a big part of when we think about virtual world. It's still very much a large part of that. But I think what's really being redefined is that video games always sounded like something kids do in their leisure time or people who are, I don't know, older, but are still like, quote unquote, gamers. And I think what's happening now is that we are helping to redefine who is the audience of these video games. I know there are several, billions, several billion people that are playing video games. I think what people are going to start doing in those type of virtual worlds is going to be not just about play. There's still going to be play or even better say fun involved, but really crafting a virtual world that people want to spend time, socialize, have fun, play some games, express themselves, immerse themselves in new type of content with new type of brands and new type of IP and doing it together as friends. I think that's really where we see the biggest evolution. And also from our experience building on the plat on platform like Roblox, which, you know, I'm now answering a bit of your second question of where Super Social operates today. You know, we started on the Roblox platform when we started the company. And we said, look, <clears throat> the this evolution of virtual world and the emergence of, you know, quote unquote metaverse is going to take time. It's not something that is happening tomorrow, uh, and which is why I'm finding it really entertaining that at the beginning of 2023, so many big media outlets were like, the metaverse is dead. Now what? I'm like, well, the metaverse cannot be dead. It didn't even arrive yet. <laughs> right. So, and that's kind of part of that fighting against the momentum, the trends, like people need the hype. We started Super Social June 2020. Roblox was a privately privately held company with a valuation of $4 billion with about 22 million daily active users. And look what happened since then. They almost tripled their user base. It's now at around 67 million daily active users. But the reason we started on the Roblox platform was, was because we believed Roblox was an era-defining platform. It has a game engine, a publishing platform, a social network, a thriving economy, cloud services. So really suddenly anyone at any age, a small developer in, in a house in Wyoming to a, a large venture-backed studio like Super Social can suddenly come and build experiences that are built rapidly for a large audience with a thriving economy, and we can monetize everything within that one ecosystem. So almost like a, a prototype of what a metaverse could be, even though it's very focused on under 25-year-olds. And so that was a primary reason why we started on the Roblox platform. We could believe and still do that it was an era-defining platform that there was that was second to none in what it offers, and also the ability to really prove our main use case, which is 3D virtual world as the next kind of modality of human interaction and human experience on the internet. And so this is where we've been focusing 100% of our time, talent, effort, and capital now almost for the last three years since we started the company. And we believe Roblox will continue to grow and we can see that gradual progression with all of their key KPIs. 
Alongside that, we obviously see other platforms. Uh, first and foremost, Fortnite Creative, that over the last three to four years, uh, Epic Games continuously developed the integration of Unreal Engine Editor into Fortnite Creative. Now it's named UEFN, which essentially the purpose of that in, in our interpretation is to evolve Fortnite Creative into a place where it can become more of a marketplace and more of a platform uh, versus just building small, simple islands slash maps that are still very much associated with the Battle Royale genre of Fortnite that attracts, you know, 20, 25 million daily active users, mostly male, mostly 18 to 25-year-olds. We believe that UEFN provides an opportunity for companies like Super Social to, you know, expand beyond that audience and really show that we can use Unreal Engine Editor on places like Fortnite to really build next generation games and experiences. And and our DNA has always been as a company, I mean, always, it's three years old, but from day one, our DNA has been a couple of things, pushing the boundaries of what's possible. And I think we've done it on, on, the, on the Roblox platform and are still doing it. I'm so excited about the stuff we're launching this year with some of the greatest brands in the world. But last year, Nars Coloquest with Nars Cosmetics, a prestige beauty brand that most people on the Roblox platform never heard about. I don't know how many teenagers buy NARS cosmetics, but not many probably. So we took that brand and together with the brands, we built something that within three months became the number one branded beauty experience on the Roblox platform and a top five general brand world ever built on the Roblox platform from a rating and, and visitation perspective. And, and the reason it happened is because that's key to the long-term vision of Super Social, which is we took a brand, we've broken, we broken it down to its essence, and we built a game world around it that resonates with the community, which led me to the other piece. If the first piece is pushing the boundaries of what's possible, building for the Roblox of tomorrow, not for the Roblox of yesterday. The second thing is really making sure that we're building for the community for the users that are there, for the users that are staying and showing that what they played with could really be elevated to new heights that no one thought was possible. And then the third piece is bringing the people from within these platforms to work with us, to join Super Social. What I think of as the next creative generation, the people that are really going to push the boundaries, the rebels. So if I think about Roblox and Fortnite creative and platforms, like what is really exciting is it's about arming rebels that are going to build next generation experiences that will be an evolution of the gaming industry, but in my mind, in a whole new way. It's so exciting to hear you talk about this, Sean. You and I got to hang out together at GDC and, you know, get uh, excited about UEFN. And one thing that we talk about a lot is this idea that we're, uh, you know, Roblox kind of was a defining moment, like you said, um, and then uh, Unreal Engine on UEFN can really take that platform to a whole new level because of the technology and the fact that uh, I think they, uh, Nanite and Lumens specifically is what I think it is, but it has that kind of, you know, cinematic quality um, of, you know, TV and movies, whereas Roblox looks a lot like Roblox, no matter where you go. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, what are some of the things that you're really envisioning with this new uh, technology of Unreal Engine 5 opening up for, for brands and for you? Yeah, I definitely think that Roblox has made amazing strides over the last few years, pushing their engine forward. I mean, and we see that with a few games now. We see it with the work we're doing. Again, super excited about some of the incredible fidelities that we're going to launch this year on the Roblox platform. Having said that, Unreal Engine is obviously a different level of a stratosphere. It's a different level, as you said, NG, I agree with you. It's kind of a cinematic look and feel that when you play Fortnite or Unreal Engine-based games, it, it's it's really like you're playing a video game that is that is cinematic. And, and that is really unique to the Unreal Engine, which is why you have TV shows like Mandalorian built on Unreal Engine, right, to some extent. So we definitely, like my perspective is that, and what, you know, I get excited about UEFN and what Fortnite Creative is doing is really combining the marketplace and the ability to build next generation game experiences virtual world for a whole new audience but doing it inside a technical environment that can really push the boundaries on that cinematic effects and um and and so that's a big part of what i think is really exciting about fortnite creative as they integrate the unreal engine it's really showing like wow we can build those rapidly iterative games like we're building on Roblox, where we build things in four, six, seven, nine months that would probably take us five years on Unity or Unreal Engine. 
I think what what's really exciting here is that Epic Games essentially for the first time truly democratizing the Unreal Engine and now making it accessible and available within the Fortnite creative ecosystem uh, to build those next generation experiences inspired and powered by something like the Unreal Engine, but now doing it in a much more, I would say, scalable marketplace environment that really mimics the type of ecosystem that Roblox have built over the past 15, 17 years. Um, so that's one big thing we're really excited. The other thing that I think is interesting about Fortnite Creative, which I think is a challenge and an opportunity, is if you look today at a lot of the maps and the islands on Fortnite Creative uh, that people have built without the Unreal Engine, kind of let's call it Fortnite Creative 1.0, uh, these are all very much still associated with the Battle Royale genre on Fortnite Creative, either because people use them to build their XP uh, or because this is just what people are excited about. And, and the reason is because majority of the players on Fortnite per se come for the Battle Royale genre. I personally am not a player. I'm, I'm a horrible first-person shooter gamer. I'm just terrible at it. Do not invite me, Nick, Angie, to a game on Fortnite. I'm just so bad. I don't know even where I'm shooting. I actually want to invite you now because it'll make me look better. <laughs> exactly. Please do. Please do. So the challenge here that I think Fortnite creative and let's say Epic Game in general will have is there is obviously a clear perception globally that Fortnite is a first-person shooter game. And in fact... They've kind of reached the max player base. So yes, sure, they can grow a bit more, but it's not going to go to 100 million daily active users for a first-person first shooter game. And so the challenge is that the perception of people of Fortnite is still very much a first-person shooter game. The opportunity is that with the UEFN possibilities or Fortnite Creative 2.0, one can now build completely new, complex, imaginative games that has nothing to do with first-person shooter. And so that's a big part of what excites me, which is exactly why we came to Roblox, which was, okay, there's all of these amazing games, Adopt Me, Jailbreak, kind of classic Roblox successes. We want to build the next stage. We want to build, as I said earlier, the, the, the for the Roblox of tomorrow. And so coming into a platform like Fortnite Creative, this is definitely part of what we're going to care about, you know, should we expand there, which is building for the Fortnite Creative of tomorrow not for the Fortnite creative of yesterday. And I think there's such an amazing time over the next 12 to 18 months to rebuild those next generation games and help Epic solidify Fortnite creative potential marketplace. And again, it takes time. Building a developer ecosystem like Roblox has built over the 15, 17 years with that level of commitment and obsession, almost like a cult, that's going to take time. It's really interesting that you the way you describe um, Roblox. Uh, my daughter's an eleven year old dress store owner in Roblox, and she would definitely not consider herself a gamer, and yet she spends most of her free time <laughs> in Roblox with her friends, hanging out, um, you know, doing stuff like that. And she would consider people who play Fortnite as gamers, but that whole mentality of just we're just here for the social aspect and creation and entrepreneurial kind of spirit that we all have. It's, it's really interesting to see how that will evolve. You know, I remember in the, in the first few months of when Super Social started and we had a little kind of pre-seed round and I was trying to explain to investors uh, Roblox because everyone thought like the best case scenario that people understood that Roblox is not a game for kids. It's actually a platform of kids making game for kids. The worst case scenario was people think Roblox is literally a kids. It's, it's an app, it's a game, and it's for kids. So we had to like not only take people on the journey of explaining the long-term vision of where we think the category is going, but one of the slides I had was, and I thought it's still very much relevant today, you can think of Roblox as the new internet homepage of a whole new generation. Angie, I bet when your girl gets the phone, a phone from you or you give her your iPad, she goes to Roblox. So in a way, Roblox is the homepage of this whole new generation. And, and Nick, you asked me earlier about the difference not being a gaming studio. This is exactly why. What's happening now, which is so fundamental, this has nothing to do with gaming or technology. What we're seeing when people talk about the metaverse and why I'm excited about virtual world is because it's about human behavior shift. You now have a whole generation that is the first metaverse native generation that for them, this is the games is almost like accidentally happening. It's really about expression, ownership, participation, socialization. They sit on Discord on the phone while playing on the iPad and it's all happening at the same time. It's almost like the perfect dream 
most ideal ever built uh, pretend play. That's kind of the way I think people who you know are listening to us today should think about Roblox, about Fortnite Creative. It's not about the game. It's about this is a global scaled virtual manifestation of our little village, our little neighborhood. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear you describe it in that way because it's similar to you know someone going onto Google searching and then being taken to a 2D web page, right? But in Roblox, you have your own search bar. And when you search, it's a 3D virtual experience. So it's its own internet as you as you speak. And that I think is really the correct way to think about this and and this trend happening in the space. It's 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 so pivotal. It's so different from what we've been accustomed to because it's 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 there. It's every it like you can access it on any device. It's not it's not device uh, you know, restricted. It's just it is it's a new form of the internet in its own way. Do you think that we will need to wait for those kids who were kind of raised on Roblox to evolve? Or do you think that we will see, um, you know, mainstream influencers, streamers? I mean, I, um, as I think, you know, I'm on the board of Face Clan and I'm very close to the esports world. And I'm thinking about um, not even gaming oriented influencers uh, and streamers, but just mainstream. Will they come or will it be the Roblox kids growing up? That's probably like the trillion dollar question. Um, <laughs> I can share my perspective. And my perspective is it's probably a combination of both. I think the 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 most dynamic evolution is going to come from the younger demographic aging up, right? And and I think we're looking at a whole generation, you know, below age 20, 22, you know, anyone who essentially was born in, in, in 2000. And the reason 2000, by the way, is because when they were 9, 10, 12, Minecraft uh, was launched. So Minecraft was really the first precursor, the inflection point of virtual worlds becoming a place of creativity, socialization, and so on and so forth. And so I think that generation definitely is going to be, in my mind, the met as a metaverse native generation, that's the generation that is pushed the boundaries of the internet as they age up. And there will be companies like Super Social that are building experiences and worlds for that audience as they mature and evolve and expect something that is similar to their avatar expression and interaction when they were playing Minecraft or Roblox when they were 8, 10, 12. So I think that's definitely, I would say, the more dominant vector of, of, of impact. However, I do think that in a more challenging manner, anyone above age 20, 25, which is also, funnily enough, the people you need to explain the metaverse to because anyone below 20 lives in the metaverse already to some extent, right? You don't need to explain to, to your 11-year-old girl, Angie, like, oh, you know, this metaverse, you can like express yourself and you can purchase stuff. She's like, mom, what are you talking about? I've been doing it since I'm five. By that point, she has my thumb on the iPad and she's buying more robots. <laughs> exactly, right? And what's beautiful is like they're learning about economy. They're learning about purchasing and selling. It's like... I don't think people understand the impact that Roblox has on people's brain. They live in a virtual economy. I mean, literally. So that wasn't available to us. And they're doing it while socializing with their friends and so on and so forth. So, however, going back to the older demographics, look, because at the moment, virtual worlds are very much about, I think, as technology is evolving, it's very much about still games and playing and having fun. I think older people, like anyone above 25, like an adult with a job and a responsibility, I think are just more busy, have less free time. And also, I think it's still probably not as intuitive to me. You know, I'm almost 40. It's not as intuitive for me to just roam around virtual world, expressing myself as an avatar and going and socializing and having fun. Like I can do that. It's easy, but it's still not the same as a 15 does. And so I think what I expect that will happen, there will be like a, I call it like the Facebook education timeline, right? Facebook was born 2005. It took like a decade to 15 years until parents started to use it. Now my mother who is 70 plus using Facebook way more than I do, right? So I expect that the, the younger demographic are going to be the ones who push virtual world into mainstream. And when it comes to mainstream, I think the technology and the use cases will become more relevant for the people who are 25, 35 plus. But I think that's the gap of like, I think the next five to 12 years, I would say of that happening. Ultimately, I do believe that by the end of this decade until mid next decade, so like the, let's say the next 10 to 12 years, within that time frame, I believe we're going to reach an inflection point where 
they're going to be a large part of people in the world who will care and invest as much in their virtual identities as they do in their physical. And I expect that there will be some symbiotic relationship between the two. So you mentioned, and this might be tangential, but you mentioned Minecraft as this kind of pivotal moment. Why is Minecraft not in kind of the same stratosphere level as Roblox or, you know, now Fortnite, like what did they do wrong? And it's still, you know, an amazing game. They have a ton of users. So it's not a knock to Minecraft, but they don't have this developer ecosystem in the same way that Roblox does. And it's, I'm assuming you have an answer here because you're so entrenched in this space, but it, it, it is kind of confusing. Like where was the misstep in their journey? I might be wrong, but I think it's a feature, not a bug. And what I mean by that is, I think it's a intentional strategy from Microsoft to protect and nurture the golden goose that gives them so much with that audience. And I think if I had to make an assumption, and maybe we should invite you know uh, the the Xbox chief to to the podcast next time, but if I had to make a guess, it seems to me just a really core to their strategy of developing franchises, and they've tried that with Minecraft, Minecraft Earth. Minecraft Dungeons, they really tried, they really went the route of Minecraft as a game. Let's expand it as a franchise and monetize it in new way, like they do with all other franchises that they own. If it's Halo and and, and all the other collection of, of IP that they own versus looking at Minecraft as a platform. And so what they haven't done, and again, I think that's intentional, they haven't opened up Minecraft. They haven't turned Minecraft into a platform. They haven't made Minecraft an ecosystem where developers can actually build businesses and build new content and new worlds rather than some community modding that you can have some private servers and so on and so forth. And so, you know, to me, it's less, and I used to think that like, oh, they're making all the right choices with Minecraft. Like why are they not going and building a marketplace as an ecosystem of developers? And I think I came to realize that probably to Xbox's strategy, Minecraft plays a very specific role as a franchise versus building it as a potential competitor to Roblox and Fortnite. Now, I may well argue, and I and I would, that under a different owner, Minecraft would may have well become a platform or a contender. Uh, but I think that's clearly not what I'm seeing with Microsoft over the past decade. That's really interesting. Yeah, that it it to describe it as a feature, not a bug. When you see kind of the success of Roblox and Fortnite, but again, not a knock on, on Microsoft. I don't want to get any messages. About not that. at all, not at all. And I think it's interesting <laughs> because Microsoft, historically, you know, it's the, one of the companies that build the most large developer ecosystems in the world around Windows, around Office, right? And so it's interesting that they that they haven't looked at Minecraft at that in terms of potential, while funnily enough, everyone is trying to build a Roblox competitor and they have like one of the jewels of the of the generation. And it's just so fascinating that they're not going that route, quite the opposite, they're going against it. Okay, I wanna circle back to branded experiences because I think this uh, you know idea about brands being in these virtual spaces is so important to the next decade of gaming and, and virtual worlds. From your experience working with brands, what do they currently understand about the opportunity and what do they still not get? Like, what are they still missing about, you know, how powerful these virtual worlds really can be to a brand? I mean, first, just for context, you know, super social, we have for business lines, right? We, we create cutting edge content. We create, we have incredible uh, enterprise solutions for brands that really allow us to work with brands on building, uh, promoting, operating, growing virtual experiences on platforms like Roblox. And so we work with brands kind of as I think about it on on a 360 model. We really, brands come to us and we work with them on the whole A to Z, from strategy to implementation and growth through analytics. So when brands come to us, there is definitely a high level of education that is still happening, again, of what exactly this platform mean. And most importantly, how do we build a virtual world that can become a business? And so what I see now at the moment, I would say is, 80 to 90% of brands are still thinking about virtual worlds from a standpoint of a promotional activity, promoting something else that they sell and monetize, which by the way, not a bad thing at all. I think we're still at V1 of what virtual worlds mean you know, for brands and IP owners. Um, and that's still the large, the majority of the project that we're seeing coming to life is really thinking about it as a prim- part of your marketing mix as a brand. And, and that's okay. 
there is a small portion of brand of brands and IP owners and a small portion of project, which is actually interestingly, majority of our projects and our partnerships are about the V2. And the V2, and what I think a lot of brands and IP owners, and I really encourage people to rethink that these are not mutually exclusive. You don't have to do something that is just marketing or business. It could be, and it's not mutually exclusive, but what we get excited about as a V2 for brands engagement in virtual worlds is how do you build something that becomes ultimately a business asset where you really create IP? You really, sure, you can sell jeans or makeup products or iPhones or cars or you name it, whatever the consumer segment is. When you think about virtual world and building relationships with the community and of the commerce possibilities and the avatar expression and the fact that one out of five daily Roblox changes their avatar outfits every day. In and of itself, that's about 16, 17, 18 million people. Think about that. Just like we change our clothes every day, there are millions of millions of people who do that in virtual worlds today on Roblox and other platforms. And so what we get excited about, which I think a lot of brands and IP owners are still missing, but I think it's going to be a gradual evolution, is the fact that when we think about virtual worlds, we think business assets, we think IP, we think worlds that you own operate, can monetize, and those relationships ultimately will evolve to include integration with IRL experiences, real e-commerce purchases, because these things will come together. You know, as I said, I, I believe people will care about their virtual identity as much as they do about their real identity, which means people would continue to spend money on buying real products, but they're going to continue and purchase a lot of virtual goods, a lot of virtual products. And so for us, it's how, as a brand, you're really starting to think about what you could mean as a brand for these communities and next generation audiences, but also making sure that you're open and willing to experiment with monetization opportunities, not to the extent that you believe, okay, it will replace my physical product and I'm no longer going to sell Chanel bags in real life. No, for sure, that will be the dominant revenue stream of a business of that nature. But I believe that the revenue that will be generated and the reason why it's so important to build persistent worlds, not just time-based activations, is because of that opportunity. And I think the brands that will do that the best are the brands that will benefit and will be able to position themselves ahead of the curve and build relationship with quote-unquote young people who ultimately can become consumers of their real products while also purchasing their virtual products as well. Yeah, for us, it's always been about authenticity. And when you're describing that, I'm thinking about brands and get, and brands getting their heads around that concept that it's not about really selling something specific right now. It's about developing an authentic kind of environment. Uh, it's almost like their branding campaign has to be 3D uh, live all the time. Uh, can you give us an example? I know I, I know you have a lot of uh, brands that you talk about a lot that, that, that are doing great things, but could you just give us an example for some of the listeners just to have kind of a, a vision of this, of a brand example? For sure. So, you know, again, last year, um, one of our most incredible success stories has been with Nars Cosmetics, um, where really the idea was, how do we take the brand products, like actual real products that Nars Cosmetics sells and turn them into an immersive embedded experience that pushes the boundaries of self-expression in a platform like Roblox? And what we've done, we've created so much innovation, both technically and creatively inside what was called NARS ColorQuest, which is the name of the experience that, again, as I said, in three months became the number one branded um, virtual world on the Roblox platform with you know, more than 42 million play sessions, 86% community voting, and so on and so forth. And some of the things we've done, Angie, to your question is we took real icons or that kind of the way you know, NARS to their products. And, and we've turned that into, for example, avatars. So we almost gave a sense of humanity to the products and we turned avatar that sits in an island that you explore as a player, as a user, and you roam around and you collect dif different shades in the game that you can then go and unlock new capabilities and outfit the avatar face, which leads me to one of the other innovations we've created with NARS ColorQuest, which was what we called Lookbook. We did the first feature on the Roblox platform that allowed players to customize the faces of their avatar in full control with the shades and the colors of the brand. So suddenly we can creatively express who we are, who we want to be in an unlimited way 
inside platform like Roblox. And some of the things we've seen that are happening, we've seen young girls as old as 18, 19, 20, customizing the faces of their avatars in the game and then go offline, buy the makeup product, put it on their face, and then tweet both images of their real face with the makeup colors and their avatar face with the makeup color to match. That's what I'm talking about. That's the symbiotic relationship that I'm talking about that I think within a decade, that example will be basically happening all the time. People will completely reimagine how they want to express themselves. And that's what I'm really proud with what we've done with Nars Colloquest is we already in 2022 on a platform like Roblox, we've shown that we can build virtual world that really push the boundaries on the way people want to express themselves in terms of creativity, but doing it inside a world that is fun, is immersive, that is absolutely stunning from graphics perspective, that pushes the boundaries of what's possible on the engine. And then also showing quite organically, to be honest, that there is an impact to that on people's lives actually in IRL. And I think that was really, really, really cool. And to be honest, I think that's a big part of why we've seen such an amazing amount of, of world-class brands from multiple different consumer segments who you know, wanted to work and are now working with Super Social because they want to push the boundaries. They want to build a business asset. They want to be the pioneers of 2023 and beyond and showing that they can bring their brand, whatever they're selling, to that new frontier, Angie, to your point, and you nailed it, in an authentic way. Just so interesting to think about, you know, all those, you know, players that didn't have any idea who NARS was. And now we're at a point where the actual shades are almost skins, right? I mean, they've branded the shades as skins. That's pretty mind-blowing if you think about it. And the colors are identical. I mean, you would not imagine the amount of time that our our teams, you know, the NARS team and Super Social worked on really nailing the shades, the colors and um, and and so and it's so beautiful and there's a lot of links like there's videos there, there's been millions of videos generated by users inside Nars Colloquest on YouTube on their own just basically sharing what they're doing sharing their experience and this is why at the moment fashion beauty are two of the most active categories of brands in virtual worlds because it's about that expression and Angie you have an 11 year old so you know that right like the ability to freely express yourself without limitations. And that's why for them, I think for this new generation, virtual world are essentially a, not a mimic of real life. It's a whole different frontier because in real life, I'm Jan, I'm now wearing this in the meta of anyone. Angie, you asked me one time, I think on your podcast, you asked, you asked, you asked me like how many people are going to be in the metaverse? And the question, the answer I gave you was, I think about a hundred billion. And you're like, wait, what? How did you get to a hundred billion? And, and the reason is, is because it's like- number. Exactly. Because I think 10 years from now, you know, the world population will be 9 billion people or something like that. Each person that will be living in virtual world can have three, five, 10 different identities because, because we can, and we can be anyone we want. And then we can select which one relates to our physical identity and we can integrate. And when you think about that and the ramification of commerce, when you think about the ramification of what type of products people or companies will build once they learn what people want in virtual worlds, when you think about how more rapid it is to experiment and prototype in a virtual world or in a digital twin, like what people actually want to, to do and predict that to inform decision-making on what products and services you build, that's where I think talking about virtual world takes a whole different meaning that we're not even touching. And why, Nick, I've mentioned earlier, why it's so much more than gaming. I mean, it is. And and just hearing you describe this branded experience, you know, one thing that I think most investors or just gaming enthusiasts think about Roblox when they hear it is user-generated content. But when you talk about it from a brand perspective, you're talking about user-generated advertising, user-generated branding that then moves off the platform and is then amplified by these social media posts as you describe, right? Showing your Roblox avatar next to your real, you know, like that is so important for a brand to have all of these YouTube videos that these, these, you know, young gamers are creating, showing them being inside these, these branded experiences. Like that goes so far. I feel like it's still not really appreciated that these users are just, they're, they're advertising for you. They're, they're doing the work of an advertising agency. And all you have to do is give them essentially the keys to the kingdom and say, here's an experience, go enjoy it. And then they just take it with them across the internet. And that to me is just like so underappreciated in the story 
for Roblox, for Fortnite, for for Super Social. Like this is a momentous point in kind of the internet's journey, especially when it comes for advertising and and branding. The big winners from you know brands and IP owners, I believe, in the next 10, 15 years are going to be the one that think about this as how do we build a persistent relationship, right? Customer relationship management is basically being redefined. And, and building those persistent relationships with this audience, with these communities, give them a reason to care about your brand is going to dramatically change. It's no longer going to be, oh, I see an ad on a billboard on a street. I go buy a pair of jeans or some shirt or a makeup product. It's going to be about, is this product something I interact with in a fun, social way in the worlds where I live in virtually? And I discover, and it's kind of being embedded into the way I want to express myself, like, I believe that sort of grassroots brand adoption is really at the beginning. And we're seeing some great brands that are taking great strides. For example, again, you know, Nars Cosmetics, that is a partner to Super Social. And I think these are the brands that are in and become even relevant in the next 10 to 15 years versus the one that are really thinking about it in a transactional manner, which is, oh, how do I connect people to my e-commerce tomorrow so I can sell them, you know, more product? Sure, that's okay, but that's a very short-term way of looking at, at this new frontier. So speaking of of commerce, because it, it does, you know, beg the question, like it's going to be important in this, right? You have this essentially ability to advertise. Do you today have the ability on these platforms to then monetize directly on platform? You had mentioned, you know, these these girls were going off platform to purchase directly on the website. Do you see a world where Roblox, Fortnite or transacting and, and facilitating this commerce where, you know, maybe you have an avatar pick up a Nike shoe and it's a digital one and you get it both in the game and then it, and it also shipped to you in the real life is, you know, how far away from that world are we? Because I would love to be living. I think it would be so cool. <laughs> it is. I mean, imagine walking around and, 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 you know, walking around a game, uh, a game world that you have, you suddenly see some item that you would love to own as, as with, for your avatar and how natural that would be. I mean, it's so difficult for me to go sometimes and like, you know, and, 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 and find clothing that I love on like Farfetch or, or Theory. I'm kind of disclosing some of my places, some of my go-to places. And, and so imagine like, you know, for these young audiences, especially, and again, it goes back to what is the velocity of adoption, Angie, that you talked about, right? And why what's happening now, it's really transformative because we go to an e-commerce website. I go to my phone, I go to the app, I'm like scrolling down, I see stuff. That's not how this generation is going to discover products. They will be discovering, and I'm answering your question, Nick, which is, I believe to a large extent, this this particular generation is going to discover things in the worlds they live in, in these virtual spaces that are where they are embedded and have a sense of presence. There are so many implications and, and logistical questions of, to answer your question of how we actually make that happen. How do you see a virtual good and you want it as a physical good and then you click and you purchase and it arrives to your home through an Amazon Prime the day later? If that's what you're talking about, I think it will happen. I think the timing of that is so challenging to figure out because there are so many things that these platforms need to decide how they do, what they do. I would be cautiously optimistic in saying that I think it will happen. We will see the beginning of that in the next three to five years. And I think in 2025 to 2030, I think we will see rapid kind of, I would say, evolution of a whole new category of commerce, which is e-commerce powered by virtual worlds. Um, and that is incredibly, incredibly exciting. And where I think our virtual identities and physical identities can really start having a more symbiotic relationship. And and a lot of the thing that, you know, it's super social, especially in, in, our, in our area of building proprietary technology, these are definitely areas we are already thinking about, experimenting with, and are looking to really build some innovative proprietary product, but also how do we serve that as a solution to, you know, the brands and the IP owners that we work with? It's so exciting for brands right now. <clears throat> Just hearing you hearing you talk about it, I think about the idea that brands really had an access, they, they had access to the living room through the TV back in the day. Everybody left the living room and went other places and they never got into games because gamers didn't want advertising. They never really got into social media other than direct advertising, but the branding, the, the real kind of brand engagement, 
finally has an opportunity to reemerge in a way that is even more powerful. It feels like just hearing you talk, because if I am on that platform in that world, the NARS world, I'm actually collaborating with them. And so that ownership that I feel will make me so much more loyal if, if it's a great experience. It's, it's really exciting. And again, I agree with you. And I think that's why it's so important to build uh, worlds that are authentic, that are really, they really care about the user experience and you want to bring something unique, not just like advertising. I'm, I'm, I'm personally am not excited about advertising per se in the metaverse, like billboards, ads, you know, super social may or may not want to do stuff like that, may, may or may not want to experiment with that. That's not what we're excited about. You know, we're, we're excited about how do you do that in an, in an embedded, authentic way to the form factor, if I may say that, right? Like to the form factor of being an avatar in a world and how can you as a brand, like we've done with Nars Colloquest and we'll do so many more this year, build something that really resonates with the audience and give them the motivation to continue and be part of it. Because we all know that brands being some sort of a, church of the 21st century, like there is such an emotional connection between people and brands and as virtual worlds done right, are going to take that relationship and intensity to a whole new stratosphere that we have only seen with more imaginative, unreal things, while now we could connect to actual real things that are happening in the world. And, and I think that's what's really, really powerful. Yeah, it's it's just such an interesting time. Like it, Angie, just going back to your example, like when you're watching a, a television show or a movie, if you're the viewer, you're always asking yourself, you know, am I the main character in the show? Would I be the sidekick? Would I be the villain? When you play games, you can be any one of those characters and you can play out each one of those plot lines. And then for a brand, you could have them be dressed in, you know, whatever it may be. And I, you know, I think about Fortnite and what they were able to do with you know the marvel movies because that was when i was heavy into fortnite being able to play as thanos or being able to play as spider-man like that was so powerful to me to then you know it made me want to go watch the movie again and so that cycle of like you know being able to follow along the user journey as they go through these different entertainment mediums and feels like gaming is at the epicenter and it's like the most powerful format because you can choose your own adventure and you can brand that adventure for brands. They can brand each one of those adventures in different, unique and authentic ways. And if the right brand does it in the right way, it's going to be so successful and it's just going to happen over and over and over again. And everyone loves games. The reason people pl stop playing games as they get older is because they get older and more busy. But everyone loves playing games. That never that was never the issue. Yeah, we, we won't be as busy if AI is just going to do all of our work for us. So maybe we'll all just become gamers again. <laughs> like in Wally, we'll sit, we'll sit like a sack of potato on a couch and play games all day long. It feels like it's going to be, it feels like this whole idea of like, you know, gaming is going away and just entertainment as we know it includes gaming or includes, yeah, includes all these activities because you really have, um, you know, you have only so much free time and it's all kind of melding when you're, uh, when you're in these worlds. It's very cool. I think we're going to see, we're already due, but you know, we're going to see virtual worlds that are really meshing all of those things together. Music, sports, social experiences, concerts, movies, like watching a movie sitting inside a virtual cinema that is part of a social world. Like it will give, it will extend what we do and what's possible in real life. I don't think it will replace. And that's a big part of what people are fearing is like, virtual worlds will replace our life. I mean, unless you live in a in a Ready Player One world where in 2049, Columbus is, is a rack of a place. You know, I happen to live in Columbus, so I'm planning for it to be a, more nice than that. But unless you live in a ruined world, you 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 don't want to look at virtual world from a sense from a from a from a point of view of escapism. You want to look at virtual world from a place of, of of an extension and an elevation of what's possible in real life. And it feels like, you know, we all experienced how this can all play out during COVID because we were all locked down and everyone became a gamer and everyone was forced to experience these virtual worlds. And now in like the last year or so, there's been this like rebellion, like, no, I need sunshine. I have to go back outside. I need to live my life. But those those uh, tendencies you picked up during COVID, you're like, no, gaming is really fun. Like I forgot how much fun I used to have with my friends. And I, I feel like it brought a lot of people back into the fold 
and made them realize like one, we're in a different time with gaming. And, you know, we just described all of these new waves of innovations and everything that's happening, but also just how important it is to, you know, socialization on the internet. It's like one of the only ways to like truly connect with people in an immersive way aside from like zoom but even this is a 2d experience like we're viewing a 3d world through a 2d screen but when you're playing gaming it's just so much more immersive when you're in those chat lobbies when you're talking with friends you feel like they're in the room with you and you know sometimes they are but you know oftentimes they're not and it's just like such a powerful social experience it's like social media is dead long live the new social media because there's nothing social about instagram about tiktok you know there's nothing social about it yeah, I was I was talking to a, a video game analyst yesterday, and he said, "I don't, I don't really know why you care so much about this idea of watching TV and movies inside these gaming experiences, because people gamers have been watching Netflix and playing games for for a long time." And I said, "Because that's not social. If I'm if I'm sitting there in my daughter's dress store in Roblox, and then you know, let's say that I." occupy the dress store. I invite my friends and we watch a show together. That's, that's what I think is going to be different about this. <laughs> yeah. Give me the opportunity to throw some virtual popcorn at the back of my buddy's head. That's what I want while we watch a movie. <laughs> it's a simple thing. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we've, we've hit our mark. Um, thank you both so much for coming on. Yeah. And Angie, this has been amazing. I think uh, we've hit on all, everything I, I hope we would, and, and hopefully the listeners enjoyed this one. Uh, I certainly did. So thank you both. Thanks for having Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Jan. ARC believes that the information presented is accurate and was obtained from sources that ARC believes to be reliable. However, ARC does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information, and such information may be subject to change without notice from ARC. Historical results are not indications of future results. Certain of the statements contained in this podcast may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on ARC's current views and assumptions, and involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. <laughs> <laughs>